0: Each week, I'll interview a crowdfunding success story, an inspirational entrepreneur, or a business expert in order to help you take your startup to the next level with crowdfunding. Art of the Kickstart is honored to be sponsored by Backerkit and the Gadget Flow. Backerkit makes software that crowdfunding project creators use to survey backers, organize data and manage orders for fulfillment by automating your operations and helping you print and ship faster. The Gadget Flow is a product discovery platform that helps you discover, save, and buy awesome products. It is the ultimate buyer's guide for luxury gadgets and creative gifts. Now let's get on with the show. Welcome to another edition of Art of the Kickstart. Today I am joined with Zell Crampton, founder of Diggs. Zell, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. So
0: Zell, you have created the Revol Dog Crate. Let's talk about this really innovative dog crate and where it all started. What inspired you to create this product?
1: It all started exactly two years ago when I got my latest dog, Louise. I adopted her from a shelter and, you know, I care about the products that I use for my pets. So I tried to go out and buy the best crate on the market. So, you know, I went out and and wrote reviews and tried to get uh, what I thought was a really good wire crate. And then when I came home and started using it, within a few days, I couldn't believe how ugly it was, poorly designed, noisy and rickety, pinched me a bunch of times. I struggled to collapse it and store it away. I just hated it. So I said, well, you know, given how much I love my pet and other people do, I just figure there has to be a better way to do this. So the idea was born. And then the more we looked into it, the more we found that a lot of people share this problem, did a lot of research, and, you know, it just resonated with a lot of people that, hey, there's a way that, you know, consumer products have evolved in a lot of different categories. Why is it not evolved here?
0: Yeah, I think we've all shared the challenge of putting together one of those dog crates, you know, the large metal ones that are obnoxious and just not nicely designed, basically, and kind of are, are archaic. So, you know, it's really exciting to be working with your product. So is this your first product you. that you've ever designed?
1: Yes, No, so I have a background. I studied mechanical engineering at McGill University when I was uh, living in Montreal. So I designed products there. I even worked, I think one of my big projects was to bring a a surgical robotics tool design concept to a business. But this is certainly the first time I've done full kind of end-to-end, bring a product to market and actually make it happen.
0: So let's talk about that. You know, When you were creating this, what was that process like and how did you go about deciding what features to include in the design?
1: Yeah. So the first place we started was, although I'm an engineer by training, I certainly do not have the skills myself to actually design something that's complicated and intricate. So the first process is actually finding the right design and engineering firm. And that was a huge process where I'm not exaggerating. We reached out to 55 engineering and design firms around the country and got proposals from about 20 of them to understand sort of like who's the right partner. And then once you get into the design phase, you start to do the research and you, you know, we went into people's homes and did ethnographic interviews. We did surveys, we did dog park, you know, stopping people at dog parks and just talk to them about dog crates and watch them use dog crates to kind of figure out what are the core features that are common problems to everybody versus the nice to have features and stuff you'd like to have, but, you know, are not core to the, you know, the, the, the main design criteria.
0: You were digging in the crates, huh?
1: I was digging into crates. You know, one thing I found interesting, you know, specific to our market was that there were about three to four very recurring themes across all of our research in terms of what people really had trouble with with existing crates, specifically aesthetics. I couldn't tell you how many people refer to them as dog jails. Number two was ergonomics. People just found them very clumsy to use and pinch them and whatnot. The third was I would call transportability, able to kind of collapse, store, move it around. And the fourth is safety, because a lot of injuries happen to both people and dogs and So those four things were, I would say, universally common in all of our research. Then you had a a long tail of different kind of needs, wants, requirements that were very unique to different kind of dog owners and dogs with different kind of either needs or personalities, ranging from dog owners who want to watch their dog while they're away so would love a Wi-Fi camera integrated into a crate to someone who says, no, I want the crate to be extremely dark so they want like a very you know all covering dog crate cover to i really care about the comfort of my dog inside the crate and the list goes on and on and on so what we decided to do was to create a crate that kind of address those first four key issues i referenced before and then make a line of accessories to address that long tail of other needs and wants uh, which is why we created our snooze pad as well to go along with the crate being our first accessory and we have a lot of other accessories in the pipeline as well
0: That's really innovative as well. So what has been the biggest challenge that you've encountered when designing this product?
1: So there's been a lot of challenges, frankly, as far as design goes. You know, you're trying to optimize a few things at the same time that in some cases are in complete opposition to each other. So the ideal crate would cost nothing, would weigh nothing, be super strong and collapse into nothing. But of course, all those things together are impossible. So you try and find the right balance of everything, right? So you try and find is it just strong enough to achieve kind of like the increased safety you're looking for, but how do you achieve a lower weight, right? So you have to start using plastics and aluminums. Oh, but that raises the costs. Okay. that also means you can't collapse it quite as low. So there's just like all these kinds of trade-offs that you kind of come up with until you find the right balance of everything that kind of achieves the optimal product. And I would say getting that balance and getting the engineering right to achieve all of those things, to achieve a product, which we think we we have, which is, you know, a very affordable, cost-accessible price, something that looks good, something that's very strong, but is also relatively lightweight, was hard to achieve. And that took a really, really long time.
0: So how long did you spend preparing for the crowdfunding campaign? And how did you know that crowdfunding was the path you wanted to launch this product with?
1: You know, you, it was one of those things where it just seemed like when you bring a cool, innovative product to market, crowdfunding is a great way to kind of you know, get get some exposure, Get people excited about it. Early adopters, and, you know, learn a lot about the market. Get some early working capital and help you know fund the business a little bit. So it just seemed like a pretty good fit for what we were trying to do. And the, you know, I started reading about crowdfunding from the early days. Right, almost two years ago, you start to think about it, you know, read about it. I would say it's about. It took a few months of really kind of ramping up all the content materials and all that stuff. But you're thinking about this for a very long time because you everything you're doing as far as strategically in the business and long, you know aligning all your funding and the timing of your launch and how you're doing has to coincide and fit in a crowdfunding campaign. So you're thinking about this for many, many months, if not you know years as well.
0: With all the marketing efforts that you've put forth into this project, where have you seen the biggest return thus far?
1: It's a combination of, I would say, you know, email and the network that you and the the audience and And community you've been able to build over time, that's a very kind of low cost, high conversion audience. Then you have, I would say, you know, Facebook advertising is always a good one to get your name out. And there's been some good good traction there. And PR as well has been very good.
0: What tips would you have for someone looking to crowdfund their pet product?
1: Specifically in terms of the crowdfunding experience or bringing a product to market? Either. I would say that like with any crowdfunding campaign, you know, from what I can tell, the professionalism that goes into this has evolved over time. I would highly advise against someone either bringing a product to market or launching a crowdfunding campaign that has not been very well thought through, that you don't have professionalism in everything you do, whether it's marketing, whether it's branding, whether it's engineering, you know, PR, any kind of component to the whole process that would not appear as a very professional company and you as a, on the receiving end as a customer would not view as professional, I would hesitate to I would advise against launching until you're ready to do that. And that might require, you know, raising money to get the resources to do that. It might require finding co-founders or hiring people to be able to, to, you know, take it to the next level. I just think that, you know, Kickstarter campaigns that do well nowadays just require that higher degree of quality than perhaps they used to.
0: Absolutely. What's been the biggest surprise of your first Kickstarter campaign?
1: Well, specific to our business, we launched with just a small size of our crate. And so just for context, a lot of crate manufacturers have anywhere from five to six sizes. We launched with one size to kind of really test the market. You know, we knew that there would be interest in our product, but I just was so overwhelmed by the enthusiasm for larger sizes once they become available that we've considered, like we tried to find ways of, you know, making the stretch goals to bring larger sizes to market and all kinds of stuff. But the overwhelming, the hundreds of messages I've received between Facebook and email and directly through Kickstarter has just been really exciting to see that kind of demand. And that is on the positive side. On The negative side, I think surprising was how, you know, emotionally up and down Kickstarter can be, right? Like, you know, you have good days, you have bad days. And then you're like, oh man, today was not a good day, or today was an amazing day, and you had, kind of have these highs and lows. But then you kind of have to look at it over the the trend and the and kind of the the longer average than just day to day. But you know, because the campaign's so short, you feel those ups and downs every day, which I found surprising.
0: Absolutely. They've got hundreds of backers, tens of thousands in capital raised so far. Let's talk a little bit about the experience with the backers. You said that they've been giving you feedback all over the place. You know, how have you gone about managing that feedback and then potentially bringing that into new product development or manufacturing changes?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. We've captured the feedback in a number of ways. You know, sometimes the feedback is not very helpful. People don't necessarily understand kind of what goes in the product, but sometimes it's very helpful, right? So, you know, for example, when we were planning our stretch goal, we actually surveyed at the time, we had something like 250 backers. We surveyed all of them to see kind of what they cared about in terms of our next accessory, right? And we got a lot of great feedback. And it was actually different than my initial hypothesis about what we would develop next. There was, there was a lot more interest in actually very simple accessories like crate covers and, you know, water bowls that attached to our crate versus I was more leaning towards like, you know, pet tech, like a Wi Fi camera or automatic feeder, things like that. So that was really helpful. You also learn a lot in terms of perception versus reality. There's a lot of people who would you know, say something, you know, about your product based on sort of like what they think rather than anything that they know about it. So for example, because our product is more aesthetically pleasing, there was some assumptions that were made that as a result, it couldn't be as strong as like other products Where in fact it's the opposite. It's stronger than other products and we've designed it to a higher level standard. And so that kind of, that'll inform our marketing messages going forward. That I found really helpful.
0: Interesting. So where are you headed next after this campaign ends?
1: Once the campaign ends, obviously, goal number one is to fulfill the campaign, right? We we have a promise to a lot of backers. We want to get that done. But then we're going to be getting our inventory for our direct to consumer business on our website at the end of the summer, and we're going to you know launch via that. We're launching to retailers at a big expo in June, in Las Vegas. We'll be you know, raising a next you know round, our first major or second major round, I should say, to fund the next sizes and and you know potentially a couple of hires and R and D of our next product line. So a lot of exciting stuff coming this year.
0: Sounds like it. Well, Zell, this is going to get us into our launch round. Where I'm going to rapid fire a handful of questions at you. You good to go? Let's do it. So, what inspired you to be an entrepreneur?
1: I've been an entrepreneur before, and I just wanted to work for myself again. And so it was just it just it's in my blood, my fam, all my everyone of my family's entrepreneurs. It was just it's just something I've been around forever, and I just really wanted to kind of bring an idea to market. So, just so many reasons why I wanted to do it.
0: If you could grab a beer with any entrepreneur throughout history, who would it be? Elon Musk. <laughs> he's the the normalized answer on here all right what would have been your first question for mr musk
1: how in the world do you dream so big and actually make it happen like how, do, how does one person conceive of ideas so outrageous and actually bring it to life favorite book Oof. i'm gonna say this tongue-in-cheek the art of the deal <laughs> there you go favorite, favorite dog breed that's a really hard one probably uh english mastiff i have to say you're not gonna make louise mad She's a mix. Oh, my goodness. She's got like five breeds in her. So,
0: (laughs) (laughs) Last question, Zell. What does the future of crowdfunding look like?
1: I think the future of crowdfunding is sophisticated. I think it's all about who's bringing cool ideas and doing it in the right way. Absolutely.
0: Well, Zell, this has been awesome. Please give our audience your pitch. Tell them what you're all about, where people should go, and why they should check you out.
1: Sure, we're digs. We invent the future of pet products. Our first amazing product is called Revel with the complimentary snooze crate pad will be on digs.pet and in place pre-orders until our e-commerce site is live at the end of the summer of twenty eighteen.
0: Awesome. Audience, thanks again for tuning in. Make sure to visit artofthekickstart.com for notes, transcript, and links to everything we talked about today. And of course, thank you to our crowdfunding podcast sponsors, The Gadget Flow and Backer Kit. And if you love this episode as much as I did, make sure to leave us a good review on iTunes. Zell, thank you so much for joining us on Art of the Kickstart.
1: Thank you for having me. It's been a lot of fun.
0: Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Art of the Kickstart, the show about building a business, world, and life with crowdfunding. If you've enjoyed today's episode, awesome. Make sure to visit artofthekickstart.com and tell us all about it. There you'll find additional information about past episodes, our Kickstarter guide to crushing it. And of course, if you love this episode a lot, leave us a review at artofthekickstart.com slash iTunes. It helps more inventors, entrepreneurs, and startups find this show and helps us get better guests